Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 32 of Three Course Politics. I'm Josh. And I'm Hills. And I am back. I want to give a special shout-out. Thank you so much to Jeff for uh, filling in for me um, last episode. It was much appreciated, it was, and it was a good episode. If you haven't heard it, you should uh, go ahead and check it out. Yeah, we missed you, Josh. We uh, we missed you, but I'm, I'm glad you're back because we have the biggest pod, well, potentially the biggest pod of all pods today. Yeah, potentially. Um, I was checking out uh, and interviewing with other podcast companies, and then thought, then I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay with Three Course Politics. Just, <laughs> so you just were kidding. interviewing, I was not interviewing. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they don't I'm provide you the that. benefits that we provide you. You have zero <laughs> days off. Um, no sick leave, but you have me, so that's the benefit. Right, and that's all the benefit that I could possibly need. <laughs> uh, so on today's pod, um, unbeknownst to our listeners, uh, Hills and I have been making our predictions about uh, the House, Senate, Governor, and Electoral College races coming up. We're also going to talk about a little about this red mirage that may or may not be happening in a couple days. Uh, but before that, have you subscribed? Please do so now. It'll help you get episodes quicker. Uh, all you have to do is go to our podcast, wherever you're listening, and click the subscribe button. If you want to go one step further and leave us a written review, that'd be great. If you get five stars, awesome. If you get one star, that's less great. But please write something. Let us know how you are enjoying Three Course Politics. Uh, Hills, anything else before we get to our pre-dinner shot? Well, Josh, you have been—you uh, created this election sheet that we've been working on, and it's a big document. And uh, we follow the science on the sheet, and we'll get into what that <laughs> means. But it's a—it's a good sheet. I'm excited to actually debut the selections we have. Yeah, for sure. And and Hills and I are not in the prediction game. We don't, you know, put any money on our predictions. But we thought it'd be good to let our, our listeners know how we view our predictions for the upcoming races. Uh, but we'll get there because we got to get through our pre-dinner shot question first, and that's coming up next. Welcome to your uh, pre-dinner shot question. So here is the question, and I'll explain why I chose this question towards the end of the podcast. So here's the question. What two states still allow slavery as a form of punishment? If you can believe it, Hills, in 2020, Slavery is still a form of punishment for two states. The question is to name those two states. Is it on the ballot in these states? Hopefully that... It is on the ballot. That's why I chose this. These two states, they have ballot measures uh, that will allow, that will forbid and ban slavery as a form of punishment. Uh, So I will give you your answer at the end of the pod, but one more time. What two states still allow slavery as a form of punishment? Well, we better hope these these voters in these two unknown states uh, do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's this. It's it's real simple. You, you just ban, ban slavery. It's it's real simple. Yeah, should be done a long time ago. But anyways, that's your pre-dinner shot. I will give you the answer at the end of the podcast. But coming up, we're gonna have our election preview, and that is coming up right now. All right, everybody, welcome to your 2020 election predictions. This is huge. So as we said on the to- as Josh said on the top of the podcast, we, we've been keeping a nice big Google spreadsheet of key House races, key governor races, key Senate races, and of course, the states in the Electoral College. And we're going to take you through each one of them, and 
when we do it, we're going to talk to you how we decided these races, like what did we use to inform our decisions about these races, and then we're going to give you our predictions. So we're going to first start with the house races. So with the house races, we have about... We have about 30 house races that we identified as really key toss-ups. We may have forgotten one or two of them, but these are the really key ones here. And the, the way that we did this here is we did some research by ourselves, but we just kind of <laughs> kind of did that old gut feeling here about what we thought based on news, based on polling, and based on how much the challenger or the incumbent has spent against their challenger or against the, their opponent. And so that's really big, especially in a house race. If you have a million dollars, that goes much further than a million dollars in a presidential race. So are you ready, Josh? You ready to go on this one? Oh, I'm ready. Let's okay. do it. All right. First one, the Arizona 6th, the Democratic candidate is, um, oh, I'm going to mess up her name, Harald Tipernini, I think is her name. I probably really butchered her name there. But she ran for a special election and lost, and she's running again. And my prediction on this is going to be a big old Dem flip. What do you think, Josh? Uh, my prediction here is we're going to see a Dem flip as well. All right. One for the Dem there. One for the Dem. Um, the next race we have is California 21st. And the incumbent, the Democrat, is TJ Cox. And he's, uh, I believe he's running against his old, uh, his opponent that he beat in 2018, which is David Valdiado. I, I'm going to mis mispronounce all these names, so I am sorry. But it's a California 21st. Um, this is a really close race, and I think TJ Cox has some, uh, has some ethics stuff around him. So I'm, I'm going to probably give this back to the GOP, unfortunately. Yeah, so uh, I... Um have gone back and forth on this race for a while. Um, and my feeling here is that we are going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say TJ Cox is going to keep his seat. I think it's a damn win. Wow. Okay. Okay. I mean, just the, the amount of turnout that that's happening. Yep. I think California is boosting turnout. I think that, um, I think Biden's going to cruise the victory in California, and I think uh, Dems in California are really getting after it. I think TJ Cox will keep his seat. Okay. All right. So uh, one we split on that one. California 22nd. Um, the Dem candidate is Phil Arbalo, and his challenger is incumbent Devin Nunes. And oh, God. I hate Devin. <laughs> we both side at the same time. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to give this to the GOP just because... Devin's seat is actually pretty Republican, and if we couldn't take him down in 2018, I, I know it's presidential turnout level, but I think he probably wins on this, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think I'm right there with the L's. I, I think, uh, as much as I would love to push Devin Nunes down a flight of stairs, uh, I think, unfortunately, the GOP take this, or hold on to this seat, rather. Well, uh, let's let's hope that Devin Nunes uh, gets out. Um, That'd be so nice. <laughs> the, the Colorado third, uh, the Dem candidate is Diane Mitch Bush. Um, I don't think she's got a connection to the Bush family. It just happens to be her last name. Um, this is a pretty rural part of Colorado, if I'm uh, understanding correctly. And the GOP opponent is a QAnon supporter and a gun-toting QAnon supporter. But I'm going to give this one... I have more faith in the people of Colorado than maybe I should, and I'm going to give this one to the Democrat. 
Kills, we're gonna split again. I I, I see this going. I, I mean, it's close. I think that uh, Bush will. Um, I think it's gonna be a close race. Uh, but I do think, unfortunately, that the QAnon supporter Lauren Bobert, maybe is her name. Uh, I think she's gonna hold on, and uh, we're gonna have our first QAnon person uh, in the in the, in Congress. So that'll be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be a QAnon caucus at some point. <laughs> Uh, oh, for sure. The Florida 26th, Debbie uh, Muscarell. I'm gonna. I'm so sorry if you're listening to this. I'm so sorry. Um, she <clears> represents <throat> a lot of South, um, a good swath of like South Florida and the Miami area, and it was a GOP seat before. And I'm gonna. She's in a tough race, and I think the her challenger is like the the county executive for Miami or something like that. I'm gonna give it back to the GOP. Unfortunately, I think this one's gonna flip back to them. So I've done some research on this one because I'm very curious how Florida's going to go. And I think Debbie is in a uh, – we're just going by first name basis since we yeah. can't do uh, last names. I think Debbie's is actually going to be okay. I don't think – I don't see this as being all that close. I think Debbie wins by a couple points. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say that Debbie keeps her seat. Okay. I, I hope you're right. And uh, and just to be clear, Josh and I have are pretty aligned on most of this. We've actually just gone through them. <laughs> bunch of races that we decided that we went the other way on but um next one florida 27th donna shalala she was a clinton cabinet member she was head of the clinton foundation super close to the clintons um she represents a seat in south florida and her challenger is a young latina i think she's a news anchor so she's given donna a little bit run for her money but i think the district is pretty democratic and especially with turnout this year i think donna's going to keep that seat yeah i don't think that race is all that close i think Don- donna keeps it Donna Keeps. All right, next one, the Georgia 6th. Georgia 6th, remember this one? This is the Ossoff race back in 2017. Well, Lucy McBath won the race in 2018, and she's looking to keep her seat against the same challenger she had, into, uh, that, the same person that she beat in, in 2018. I think the Dems keep Georgia. I think Georgia um, is going to be a real surprise this year, but I think Dem turnout is surging, so I think Lucy keeps us. Yeah, I, I will get to... Georgia a little bit later uh, when we talk about it, but I see Georgia's being big for, for the Dems this year. I think, in order for my prediction to hold true, I think uh, Lucy McMath needs to win, so I have her winning. <laughs> Please have her win. The Georgia 7th, right next door. This was a soup. this is one of the tightest races in 2018. The Democratic challenger is running again. Her name is Carolyn Bardu, and she is, I think, a favorite, so I'm going to give it to Carolyn on this one. Yeah, I was doing some research, and this toss-up, I think this is going to be a super close race. Again, if my Georgia predictions are going to come true, I need Carolyn to uh, win, so I'm going to have, I am going to put my money behind Carolyn. I agree. I agree. Let's go, Carolyn. Let's move to Iowa, the Iowa first. So Iowa has only four congressional districts, and Dems hold three of them. And uh, the Iowa first, I think, is in the northeast part of the state and currently held by Abby Finkenauer. I'm going to give this back to Abby. I think Iowa's going to have pretty big turnout, and they're impacted by coronavirus. So, Abby, you, you get my endorsement. Abby has my endorsement as well. There we go. Two for Abby. Iowa second. Iowa second is the next one. It's right next door. And the challenger is Rita Hart. And I'm going to give this to Rita, too, because I think the Dem is retiring, and I think the Dems can hold this one. I, I don't see this race being all that close, to be honest with you. I think Rita wins it pretty early on in the night. Illinois 13th. Uh, the Democratic candidate, it's Betsy, Betsy Longderin, 
And uh, Illinois, I think, is going to flip. I think the suburbs are going to revolt, and this is a suburban district. So, Betsy, you get our, I think you're going to get the, the win on this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. Um, but I this is in a suburban di- district. All the evidence is that uh, um, suburban women are revolting against the GOP. There's a woman who is running. Uh, I think Betsy takes this one in a very, very close race. Okay, two for Betsy. Uh, Kansas second. So Kansas is still the GOP seat, but they've been their suburbs are sprawling in Kansas, and the challenger is Michelle De La Isla. And unfortunately, I mean the GOP candidate is retiring, but I I I still think this goes to the GOP because it's Kansas, you know. Yeah, I'm right there with the hills. I you know, I think that this is going to be stay a Republican seat. So sorry, Michelle. Sorry, Michelle. The main second district, so this is also one of the closest ones in the country. Jared Golden is the current Democratic representative. And main second is uh, they also split their electoral vote, so this district is big. And they have ranked Tories voting, which helped Jared get the seat in for the first place. I think Jared's made a good name for himself, so I'm going to give this back to him, and he gets another term in Congress. Yeah, um, we're talking about Jared Kushner, right? Oh, yeah, Jared Kushner, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't see this race being close really at all. I think Jared Golden is going to win. Yeah, I think his challenger kind of sucks too. So, uh, that also helps. Minnesota first, the Democratic challenger is, uh, the, the challenger here is Dan Feehan. And I think I've heard a little bit about him. I actually don't know much about this race, but it's Minnesota. We're going to have big turnout in Minnesota. And I think Dan's going to win. I also have Dan winning Hills. So. Two for Dan. Dan, we don't know you, but we'd like to know you. We're going to move on to Nebraska, the Nebraska 2nd District. So Nebraska is also the other state that separates out their districts as electoral votes as well. And in Nebraska 2nd, Kara Eastman is running again for Congress. She's a bit more progressive than Biden. I'm not sure. I thought about this a lot, and I think the district might go for Biden, but I don't know if they're going to be ready for Kara Eastman. So I might give this back to the GOP. If I want Biden to have a good night, if Kara Eastman has a good night, I think that bodes very well for Biden. So I'm going to actually give this to Kara Eastman. Okay. All right. We'll see. Well, I think, you know, there could be split ticket voting going on, but um, obviously I want Kara to win. So there we go. Do you, Hills? Do you? (laughs) I do. I do. I do. Let's go to one that is is a personal favorite of mine. New Jersey 2nd. The New Jersey 2nd District is, uh, the incumbent is Jeff Van Drew. You may remember Jeff Van Drew as switching parties to Trump in the beginning of 2020 because he's an idiot. And Amy Kennedy, uh, wife of a Kennedy, is running against him in the district. And I think they're going to punish Jeff Van Drew for this. The district is not an overwhelmingly liberal district. It's pretty, it's like, it's pretty 50-50, but I think they're going to give this to Amy. Yeah, so I was doing some research on this district, and this district might be the closest, like 50-50%, like 50-50%. It's going to come down to a probably like hundreds, maybe a couple thousand votes. It's going to be close, but I think Democrats will punish Jeff Andrew for his betrayal and elect Amy Kennedy as the uh, congresswoman from the New Jersey 2nd District. We always need a Kennedy in Congress, and with... Uh, so true. Yeah, yeah, and she'll keep the legacy on there. Um, actually, this is my one of my top favorite districts, is the New Jersey 3rd, because the incumbent is Andy Kim. 
and Andy Kim is just a great guy. We love Andy Kim on Three Course Politics. We love we Andy. Andy was in a tight race in 2018 against Douglas MacArthur. He uh, Douglas MacArthur in 2018 like wrote the GOP repeal of uh, the Affordable Care Act, and Andy Kim beat him. I think Andy has had a lot of good fundraising, so I'm going to give this to Andy. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think Andy wins, and I tell you, Hills, I don't think it's very close. Yeah, I think he's I think he's going to have a good margin this year. New Mexico second. We're almost we're almost done here. We're more than halfway through. The New Mexican second district is a huge district and is represented by I'm I this is a tough name, so I apologize. Hok Iti Torres Small. I mis very mispronounced that name. She is in a very tight race and I think she's gonna pull it out. I think she's gonna win, although it's a very, very tight race. Yes, I agree. I, I think she's gonna um I think she'll win. Uh, I, I, I think it'll be, it'll be it'll be close. Won't be as close as some people think, but I, I do think that she pulls off a win. New New York Second District. This is on Long Island, and it was Peter King's district. And you all know Peter King, Jackie Gordon. Um, she's she is a town. She was a town councilwoman. Um, she's an African American woman. Um, she's really looking to take the seat back. I think she's running a great campaign, and I'm going to give it to Jackie Gordon. I all Jackie Gordon. Great two for Jackie. Josh, I threw this one in here real quick. New York 11th District. This is Max Rose. Max Rose represents most of mostly Long Island and Southern Brooklyn. Um, he likes to use profanity a lot because that's what Staten Islanders like and he connects with them there. He won pretty resoundingly in 2018. He's in a tight race this year. I think Max Rose is going to pull this one out. You threw this one at me. I wasn't expecting this one. I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. I will also go with Max Rose. You're going to give it to Max? I'll give it to Max. Okay. I needed to have his race in here. New York 22nd, Anthony Brandizzi. Um, he's upstate New York, like Syracuse, New York, and he is in a tight re-election against his former opponent. Um, the spending here, he's spent a lot more money than her. I think it's going to go to him this time around again. Yeah, I I think he pulls it off. I think it'll be one that's called later in the night. I don't expect it to be a, um, a, a blowout for Andy, for Anthony. No blowout here. No blowout here. Uh, New York twenty, New York twenty seventh. Um, this is way upstate. This is by Buffalo. Nate McMurray is running again. This district is really conservative, and even though he came close in twenty eighteen, I'm going to give this to the GOP. I think this is a very tough district for any Democrat to win. Yeah. Um, the more I did some research about this one, the more likely it seemed that this was real, real tough for Nate McMurray. I think he loses, unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry, Nate. The Oklahoma fifth. Kendra Horn, she is the lone Democrat in the Oklahoma congressional delegation. She represents Oklahoma City, I believe, or around there. Uh, she's probably the most vulnerable incumbent there is just because Oklahoma. And I'm going to give this to the GOP because of Oklahoma. Yeah, so this is a tough one for me. I think this one uh, might also be uh, along with uh, the New Jersey second. This one is going to be a real close race. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Kendra Horn ekes it out, very very close. I'm like maybe a hundred of votes or so. Um, I just want to I want to have at least one Dem coming from Oklahoma, so I'm gonna give it to Kendra. I'm praying for you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> South Carolina first, Joe Cunningham. He represents the Charleston area. Is running for re-election. He's the bad boy of South Carolina. I'm gonna <laughs> give this to Joe. I think I think Charleston likes Joe Cunningham. I think turnout's gonna be high, and I'm gonna give this to Joe. 
Yeah, and uh, the Carolina for South Carolina First District is right next to the sixth, where James Clyburn is. So I, I think uh, I think Joe wins this race, and I don't think it's all that close actually. Well, uh, Joe may be in 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 store for a good night. Texas third, Lulu uh, Sikali is is running. Um, this is a seat that Dave Wasserman recommended. Um, Texas is, is tough. There's a lot of good seats open in Texas, but this one might be tough. So I'm going to give this to the GOP. Yeah, I, I also give this one to the GOP. Texas is still Texas. So, um, you know, I, I, I have uh, Lulu losing, unfortunately. Texas 22nd. This is one of the big pickups that we can have. The Democrat running is uh, Shri Preston. Uh, Cole Carney, and I think he's running a pretty good campaign. I've I've done a little bit of research here, and I think he's going to pull out a win here. Uh, yeah, I um I uh, Hills, we're going to have to disagree a little bit. I unfortunately, this was a retiring GOP member who had this seat, um, and I I see the GOP holding on here, unfortunately, in the Texas twenty second. Oh, Shri, make me proud. Uh, in <laughs> Texas 23rd, this is a huge district. If you look on the map, this spans like much of the Rio Grande Valley region of Texas. And Will Hurd is, re- is leaving. He's the incumbent Republican. And uh, the Democrat running again is Gina Ortiz-Jones. And I think she's going to notch her win here. And I'm very excited to see that blue on the map. Uh, agreed. I, I think that this will be an early indication for how close Texas is going to be, given that we need turnout uh, in this area to be large so i think gina ortiz wins good 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 uh, go gina texas 24th we only got four races left texas 24th candace valenzuela is running um is as the dem the gop is retiring and i think this race is gonna flip totally blue i think she's gonna win and we're gonna have uh congresswoman valenzuela agree hills i completely agree i think congresswoman valenzuela is coming your way in 2021 Let's have it. All right. Utah fourth, Ben McAdams. He was the mayor of Salt Lake City, and he's running again for re-election. He actually had COVID, um, but he seems to be fine. And uh, this is a super, super tight race, although I think I think Ben's going to pull this one out. Yeah, I had this one, Hills, as it was close. Um, I think that Ben McAdams is, uh, he was the favorite, and then, you know, some stuff happened, and he got into a much tighter race. I do think he will eke it out. I think, he, I think he'll eat it out. Eke it out. Hills, can I do the next one? Because I'm very invested in this race. Go, go for it. Okay. So the Virginia Fifth. Um, crazy story about the Virginia Fifth. The Virginia Fifth is actually very conservative. Uh, it's in the Charlottesville area. The uh, incumbent Congressman Riegelman, uh, he lost in a in a really weird primary election, he, uh, the GOP turned on him because he was the officiant at a gay wedding. Uh, so the GOP turned on him and people voted him out. Um, and they selected Bob Good, won their weird like primary runoff thing. The Democrat is Cameron Webb. Cameron Webb is an African-American doctor and lawyer uh, who is a Charlottesville native. And when... Uh, he first got in this race. It was uh, it was like it was a lean slash likely Republican race. And then as time went on, Cameron Webb started putting together a really good campaign, and it became a toss up. And then time has gone on, and he's still running run a good race. And it is now a lean Dem, very very slightly lean Dem state. 
I am giving Cameron Webb a big victory here. This is going to be one of the races that I am watching very, very closely. Go, 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 Congressman Webb. He's our man from Virginia. We love you, Cameron Webb. Let's go, Cameron. Let's go, Cameron. All right, so last but not least, we have the Virginia 7th. Abigail Spanberger, you, she made waves in 2018 for winning a very 50-50s, um, almost conservative district. I think she's going to win this again. I think people love Spanberger. Well, we do, and I hope that everyone else does. Yeah, Spanberger is winning this one. It's not going to be close. Not even going to be close. So there you have it. Those are our big races that we have on our, on our house map. Um, look for them. Um, on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, whenever the races are called, they're probably going to take a little bit, a little bit because they're close. Um, but th those were our house races, and we're going to take you right to our governor races. So we are on to our governor races. Now there are only uh, let's see about ten or eleven governor races. Looks like there are eleven governors races. Only three are real competitive. So what we're going to do here is we're going to go through the three competitive ones, and then I'm going to tell you which way I think the other ones are leading because it's probably pretty uh, clear at this point, and uh, Hills will stop me if, we, uh, if he disagrees. Uh, the science behind here was we looked at um, the Cook Political Report, and we looked at uh, Larry Stabilo Crystal Ball, and um, if they were in agreement, then we just kind of went with that. If they were in disagreement, we went with our gut feeling. Um, so the Hills are you ready to start with our governor races. Let's go to the governors. Here we go. So starting in Montana. So Montana is a state that right now is a toss-up. Uh, the Democratic uh, candidate is Mike Cooney. Um, and Montana seems like a weird race to have for a governor's race. But, uh, you know, it's a toss-up because Montana is weird sometimes. So uh, Montana will surprise you sometimes. Steve Bullock is the governor and he is a Democrat. We'll get to see Bullock a little bit later. The uh, Republican is Greg Gianforti. I may have mispronounced that. Hills, if we're going to have a Dem wave, I'm going to say that the Montana governor goes to Mr. Mike Cooney. Yeah, I agree with you here. And Greg Gianforti, he's the uh, current representative from Montana. He also sucks, and he's very filthy rich, so we hate him. There you go. There you go. We hate, hate, hate him, and we are big fans of go of future governor and one, one last point about montana is that they've elected democrats on the governorship since like 2000 like they've they've they have a history of electing democrats and i think mike cooney can pull, the, pull this off all right next up we have the missouri uh governor race between uh the democrats nicole galloway and the republican uh mike parson um so Mike Parson is the incumbent governor. He's running for re-election. And Missouri, in some polls, has been a little bit closer than you would uh, have suspected otherwise. Um, I think that my gut feeling here is that uh, Missouri will disappoint us and they will re-elect Governor Mike Parson. I agree with you. I mean, Missouri, we haven't had a real competitive race. We haven't won a, a competitive race in Missouri in a while. So unfortunately, sorry, Nicole, I want you to win, but you're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, you're in our hearts, but you're just not going to win, unfortunately. All right, moving on to North Carolina now. Okay, ooh, Hills, North Carolina. Here on Three, on three Course Politics, we love, love, love North Carolina Governor 
Roy Cooper. He's a Democrat. He is running for re-election against the Republican Dan Forrest. And I think Roy Cooper wins re-election. And Hills, I'll tell you, I don't think it's that close. I, I agree with you. I think we love Roy Cooper. North Carolina loves Roy Cooper. Who doesn't love Roy Cooper? Roy Cooper could run for president. He might, honestly, at this point. I agree. I think this goes to Roy. Uh, six races we think are all solid Republicans. Um, Indiana, uh, the, Republic, the, the Democrat candidate there is Woody Myers. And I think Indiana is going to stay Republican. I agree. I think it's going to be a little bit smaller because libertarians, there's like this really weird thing in, in Indiana where this libertarian candidate is getting a lot of Republican votes, but I still think the, the Republican's going to win. New Hampshire is a little bit interesting. Uh, the uh, It is currently run, run by a Republican. It is Chris uh, Sununu. He's running for re-election against Dan Feltz. There have been a couple of polls that have actually showed Feltz closing the gap, but I don't think this race is actually all that close. I think the uh, I think the Republican uh, Chris Sununu. I think he wins re-election pretty easily. I agree. I New Hampshire loves its Republican governor, <laughs> which makes no sense. Um, <laughs> all right, Hills. I know you had pipe dreams about the twenty twenty North Dakota governor's race. Just kidding. Hills didn't actually have that, but. The, the, this race won't really be close at all. The Republican incumbent is Doug Burgum. I think I pronounced his name right. I think so. He's going he's going against Shelley Lenz. And Shelley, I mean, you shouldn't even be trying at this point. This will easily go to, for the uh, GOP. I think so, too. Uh, I don't see anything changing here. Moving on to Utah now. Utah, the uh, Republican governor is Governor Cox. Ha ha ha. Governor Cox, get it else. And he's going up against uh, Christopher Peterson. Uh, Utah does sometimes have a uh, libertarian, and there is a libertarian candidate running, Daniel Coltum, but this will stay GOP for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Utah is not even going to be close. Sorry. Uh, next, we have uh, Vermont. In Vermont, uh, it's a little bit frustrating. I would love for Vermont to, you know, get its stuff together and elect a. Uh, a, uh, a Democrat, but uh, Phil Scott is the governor, and David Zuckerman is his opponent, who identifies himself not as a Democrat, but as a progressive Democrat. And Mr. Zuckerman should think, uh, rethink this idea because Phil Scott is going to win pretty easily. Vermont is a, it's a Bernie bastion, but they do like their split-ticket government there for some reason. It, it, you would think that Vermont is like super Democratic, and it is, but they're probably going to elect their Republican again. He's pretty moderate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we move to West Virginia. The Republican governor is Jim Justice. He is running for re-election. The Democratic candidate is Ben Salongo. And actually, Hills, I think, I think you've heard about this, but in West Virginia, there is also the Mountain Party. Have you heard of the Mountain Party? No. Neither <laughs> have I, but they're, 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 <laughs> they're putting up a candidate in West Virginia, Daniel Lutz. Uh, Jim Justice will win very easily. Yeah, I mean, Jim Justice actually ran as a Democrat, I think, to win the nomination. And then he was always a Republican and then he switched. And yeah, I, I can't see the Democrat actually winning West Virginia, although it'd be cool if they did. It'd be cool if he did, um, but seems unlikely. All right, we're going to move on now to uh, Delaware. Democrat is John uh, Carney and the Republican is Julianne Murray. And John Carney is running for re-election, and it will not be close. John Carney will crush it. 
It will not be close. Not at all. John Carney is on his way to a second a second term. <laughs> um, all right. And then uh, the last but not least, we have uh, Washington State. And we have our boy Jay Inslee Hills. Jay Inslee. He's back. He's running for, uh, for re-election against Warren Culp, the Republican. And our boy Jay Inslee is going to bring it home. Yeah, I think uh, I can't see this flipping to the Republicans, not on a presidential year, at least even. I mean, Jay, Jay's going to win a third term here. And there you have it, folks. That is our, uh, those are our governor races. And we have our Senate races coming up right now. Your Senate races, these are the some of the biggest races of the year um, in this crazy, crazy year. So the way that we did this was we looked at 538 and JHK forecast. And if the percentage that they had confidence in the person winning was above 85%, we, le- we deemed them safe. If they were between 85 and 65, they were lean. And if they were below 65, they were a toss-up. So that's how we kind of got here and in, in to our ratings. And um, if there was an issue, we looked at Cook Political Report and if, you know, for discrepancies. But these are how we kind of got to the races that we're at. So let's get started here. First, the first two, we're going to talk about Georgia, because Georgia's got two Senate elections this year. The first, one of them is a regular election. The other one is a special election. And and remember, Georgia has a jungle primary where you have to get past 50%. And if you do not get past 50%, you go to a runoff. So that's what we're going to be talking about for one of them. So the first one we're going to talk about is John Ossoff is a Democratic candidate. He's running against Dave Perdue. There have been lots of polls in Georgia, and they've gone back and forth. I Biden might win Georgia, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I do not think John Ossoff can get over the top here. I think there might be some ticket splitting. I think it's going to be super, super close. I don't think John's going to win here. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I, uh, I'm so torn here, Hills. I think... Ossoff has made this a much closer race than I think most people thought it would be, um, you know, originally. And it, it this has gone from a lean Republican race to a toss-up. I just don't think, I, I can't see two Democratic senators coming out of Georgia. I think, unfortunately, David Perdue will keep his seat and John Ossoff will lose once again. We love John Ossoff. We, we love him on the pod, but I think he has some of the worst luck. So... He does. He he does. He's not he's not a lucky man right now, but he might be. So the the special election is um, two Republicans, Kelly Loeffler and um, Doug Collins, are running on the Republican side, and Reverend Raphael Warnock is the Democratic candidate, at least the the biggest mainstream one. And um, the race has shown him consolidating support. He will probably not get over 50% to win right out, straight out. So it's probably going to go to a runoff between whoever wins, whoever the most votes are on the Republican side and him. And in January, it could be good. It depends on turnout, right? Republicans always vote. So if Warnock wants to win, he's got to make it through two elections. I don't know. I think Warnock can do it. I think he, I think he could do it. Uh, I think he's very likable and... Depending on what happens on Tuesday, I think Warnock can maybe pull this off. This election has been crazy. The special has gone from lean Republican to toss up to almost being lean Dem. I think Warnock does win this seat. I don't think he wins it on election night. I think uh, he, you know, 
he'll he will officially get rid of the two other Democratic candidates, uh, which who are um, Matt Lieberman, who's the son of Joe Lieberman, and uh, Ed Tarver. He is, I think, he will consolidate even more Democratic support. And I think, regardless whether he rides that blue wave of Biden in the White House or you know he rides the sorrow wave of Biden not in the White House, <laughs> I think Warnock is going to be a senator from Georgia will have a senator Warnock, which would be pretty cool. That would be really, really cool. All right, Georgia, two for the price of one there. So Iowa's next. Iowa, this is perhaps my favorite one of the, the cycle. Um, Teresa Greenfield has has rose up and is challenging Joni Ernst for the Senate seat. And Greenfield has really struck a chord with a lot of voters. Uh, Ernst has run a pretty bad campaign. Iowa is now a toss-up state in general. And I think Greenfield can do it. I'm going to give this to Greenfield. I am also giving this to Greenfield. Uh, let's go Greenfield. I think, I think she has run a really good race. I think Joni Ernst has hurt herself, not knowing the price of corn. Um, I think Greenfield is a very impressive candidate. And I think with these, uh, with Iowa keeping three Democratic congressmen, I think Teresa can ride that wave. So let's go, Teresa. Let's go, Teresa. Maine, Maine, Sarah Gideon is challenging Susan Collins. And this is a toss-up because Maine likes their split tickets, but I think Sarah Gideon is going to win this one, and good for Sarah. It'll be such a wonderful day when Susan Collins has to leave Congress and never, ever return. I think Sarah Gideon wins, and I think, Hills, this is going to be called a little bit earlier than people would expect. Yeah, I think, well, vote, um, and also ranked choice voting will be big here because if Maine has a pretty big streak of running independence, but if they don't meet the threshold, people have to designate their next choice, right? So you can have a bunch of people who chose the independent that end up going to Sarah Gideon at the end of the day. So ranked choice voting might be a really key decider here. North Carolina, we've talked about this a little bit, but Cal Cunningham, he's had uh, the, the extramarital affair. Tom Tillis has had issues with his wives. This is a toss-up, but I think Cal's going to win. He's, he's, been showing, he's been shown to have to be ahead in most polling. I think Cal's going to pick this one up for the Dems. Agreed. Agreed. This is a toss-up, but it's just barely a toss-up. It's been lean Democrat most of the race. Um I think if we were to redo look at the signs again right now, Hills, I think Cal I think this race would go back to being lean dem. I think Cal picks up this seat for sure. Uh I wanna say let's go Cal, but he, he doesn't deserve it right now. But <laughs> he does for democracy, yes. For personal reasons, no. Uh, Alaska. Alright, so Alaska has been um you ne- never sleep on Alaska. But Dr. Al Gross is is the Dem candidate and he's running against Dan Sullivan. This has been tight but I think, I th- as much as I hate to say this, I think the Republican is going to win because it's Alaska. I unfortunately think that uh, Al Gross is not going to win. I think they'll keep Dan Sullivan. But the fact that this is even, you know, a lean Republican state speaks for how strong the Democrats are feeling about this current year. Right. So I think, I think, I think Al Gross loses, but uh, might be a little bit closer than people would originally think. So. Yeah, and, and this state and the next three are all states where Biden is definitely going to overperform and Dems are going to overperform, but it might not be enough to break through. So the next one's Kansas, and we've talked about this a little bit. Barbara Bowler, um, she's running against uh, 
Roger Marshall, and who's a Republican. I think she's going to come real close, but I don't think she's going to do it, unfortunately. Yeah, this is a race to watch for sure. Our listeners, please watch the Kansas Senate race. It's going to be close. She's going to get a lot closer than I think people will realize, but I think in the end, uh, Senator Marshall will pull it off. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. Montana. We were just talking about Montana's, and uh, Steve Bullock, who's the governor right now, is running for Senate, and they, again, they have a history of electing Democrats. Though I think, of course, turnout's going to be big this year. Steve Bullock is running a pretty good campaign, but... Man, I'm, I think this might have to go to the Republicans on this one, even though I really wish Bullock could win, but I don't think it's going to happen. All right, Hills, sound the alarm here. Um, <laughs> Hills, I have Steve Bullock pulling off the upset. <laughs> hey, I hope you're right. I have, I have Steve Bullock pulling off the upset. I think when this race first started, I think there were people were like, there's no way uh, that Steve Bullock will win. Um, I think he has a pretty good shot. He's pretty popular in Montana. You know, he re- he uh, retained his seat in 2016 when there was this huge Trump wave. Um, you know, I may I might be crazy here, but this is my upset. This is my upset of the evening. Is Steve Bullock is going to pull off the upset in Montana? Well, Josh, I hope I'm very much proved wrong. I'm rooting for you, not Bullock. <laughs> I'm rooting for Bullock, too. South Carolina. Oh, this is the other favorite. Um, Jamie Harrison is running against Lindsey Graham, and uh, we we really hate Lindsey Graham here. And um, Jamie Harrison, I think, has a, has like a 1 in 10 shot here. Uh, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the limb here, and I'm going to say Jamie Harrison knocks off Lindsey Graham. I'm going to do it. I said it. There it is. Well, I think Harrison has a three in ten shot. Um, and oof, watching these debates, Hills, I mean, Jamie Harrison just crushed Lindsay. It was humiliating for Lindsay. Lindsay is begging people for money. Um, you know, Jamie Harrison is this exciting young candidate, and I'm saying all this stuff, but I, I just don't think it's gonna happen. I, I pray to the dem gods every night that Jamie Harrison will win. And if he wins, I will happily, I will be the first person to come back on this podcast and eat shit from everybody. I just don't think he's going to do it. I just, it breaks my heart. I think we're going to have to have six more years of Lady Graham. Well, Jamie Harrison will come on this pod and scold you for not believing. Oh, please, please do it. Please. I deserve it. You do deserve it. Um, (laughs) The next two we, we deem as lean Democrats, Arizona. So Arizona is a big one. Mark Kelly, as you all know, is running for the Democratic Democratic seat. Um, and he's been up all year, and I think people really like him. We love him. Uh, big fans of Mark Kelly here. And we're going to say this goes to Mark. I'm going to say this goes to Mark. I, I, I have this hills as being a very early race that Arizona will call. This gets called before Biden or before Biden or Trump, whoever wins Arizona, this race gets called first. Mark Kelly's a great candidate. He's very popular. His wife is very popular. Martha McSally fucking sucks. So we're going with we're going with Mark Kelly for sure. I don't think it's going to be very close. Well, <laughs> tell me how you feel about uh, McSally there. Uh, she does. She's she's not very good. 
at all. Uh, <laughs> Michigan. Uh, Gary Peters has found himself in a hotly, a little bit contested uh, Michigan Senate bid against John James. And polling has been a little bit good and bad for Gary Peters, but I think he's really kicking into high gear. I think Gary Peters is going to ride on Biden's coattails here, and I think he's going to go for another term. So I'm going to give this to Gary. Yep. I, I think Gary wins. I, you know, he got a little close a, a few times, but I think I think Peters probably has a comfortable margin here, around six, seven points. Yeah, so Gary, uh, you live to fight another day. Um, this one we deem as a safe Republican seat, but we have to talk about it. Alabama. Our boy, our man, our, our love, Doug Jones. We knew we didn't have a lot of time with him when he won, but... Oh. We love Doug so much. I, <laughs> I want him to win so much. Although, I think this will go for the Republicans. I think Doug is going to make this real close. I think it's going to be 50-40 or 50-45. It's not going to be as as big as other seats are. So, Doug, we we knew we only had so much time with you. We, uh, we might be seeing Doug Jones in uh, a cabinet position. And if we are so fortunate to get a Biden administration, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about who Biden might, might pick on his cabinet. I don't think we've seen or heard the last from Doug Jones. He was a noble soldier, um, but, you know, he he just barely beat out a pedophile in Roy Moore. So uh, as long as the Republicans don't put up a, put up a pedophile, then Doug Jones, ha- you know, doesn't have a chance. And I, I, you know, I think it'll be close-ish. I think Tommy Tuberville probably wins pretty early on tonight. Sorry, Doug. We, we love you. Surpr- shock the world, Duck. Shock the world. Shock the world for us, please. <laughs> So <laughs> we're going to talk about a few more races right now, and we rate them all. We rate them safe Republican or safe Democrat, uh, Dave, safe Democratic seat. Um, and then we're going to go through, uh, after we go through these next seats, we're just going to go through the list of all the other Senate seats that we have um, listed, and because they're, they're pretty safe, we're just going to go through them. But let's talk about a cu- few more in detail. Mississippi. This is a safe Republican seat, although... Don't sleep too hard on Mississippi because Mike Espy is running again and he's running a really good campaign and Cindy Hyde-Smith, the incumbent Republican, is not really doing much. So I don't think this is going to go to the Democrats, but there is like a 5% chance it does. So just FYI. Yeah, Cindy Hyde-Smith is going to win, but Cindy Hyde-Smith is a horrible person, just to be clear. She's a, she's a racist, basically. And Mike Espy is running as the first African-American candidate ever in mississippi so if anyone should in mississippi it should be him but uh you know i think unfortunately voter suppression and the racists in mississippi will not let him win but we love mike epsi uh keep fighting the good fight sir texas texas we judge this as a safe republican seat although it's going to be real close this year and we'll talk about texas in a minute but mj hager is giving john cornyn a run for his money i think again this is still like a 10 percent uh, shot here for mj hager Something for you to look at, but we don't think this is going to be as competitive as other seats here. Yeah, I think when this seat first gets called, it'll be like a too early or, you know, not enough information or too close. But I think John Cornyn will unfortunately pull this one out. Um, MJ Hager has had a, a run a much closer race than I think a lot of people have thought. It speaks to the kind of campaign the Democrats and Biden and, um, and uh, that they're running down there. But I just, I just don't think that uh, MJ can pull it off. So unfortunately, we'll have six more years of John Cornyn. Uh, we're going to move to Colorado, and we've date, we've we've uh, dubbed this a safe Democrat seat. 
And John Hicklin Hooper, who was the governor of Colorado, is running for this seat after dropping out of the presidential race. Remember, he did that. Um, and he's running against, um, he's running against, oh, what's his name, Josh? Corey, Corey Gardner. Gardner. Oh, yes. We hate Corey. Uh, we think we think John's going to win this pretty comfortably, but something you know, Colorado is was a battleground at some point. So just FYI. Yeah, Colorado is getting much much bluer. Remember when it was a it was a big deal that Obama won it in two thousand eight. Not so much anymore. Also, Colorado has been doing mail in ballots for a long time. I don't it won't be an issue for them or Hickenlooper. Hickenlooper wins pretty easily. This has gone from a lean Democratic seat to a safe Democratic seat. Uh, looking forward to seeing Hickenlooper go to Washington. Yeah, me too. And the last one we have is Minnesota. We still dub this as a safe Democratic seat. The incumbent senator is Tina Smith. She won the special in 2018. However, um, Minnesota is, 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 is a potential battleground this year. So um, there were a few polls that showed Tina in a real tight race. Other polls have showed her in a not-so-tight race. We think Tina's going to win this one, but also something for you to keep your eyes out for. Yeah, definitely something to, I think to to keep an eye out for. But you know, a lot of the polling has seen Tina Smith be up by a, a comfortable margin. I think she'll. So I think she'll win this race. I don't think it'll be all that close, but definitely something that you're going to want to watch on on election night. But I think she will end up winning by probably more than double digit double digits. Yeah, I I agree with you. And um, now here are all the races that we just deem safe either way. Arkansas, safe Republican. Idaho, safe Republican. Kentucky, yeah, we hate Mitch McConnell, but McGrath is not going to win this one, unfortunately. Uh, safe Republican. Louisiana, safe Republican. Nebraska, safe Republican. Oklahoma, to South Dakota, Tennessee, West Virginia, Wyoming, all safe Republicans. And for the Democrats, Delaware, Illinois, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, which is good, New Jersey, New Mexico, Oregon, Rhode Island, and Virginia, we all deem as safe Democratic seats. So, <laughs> can I say one thing about the Arkansas race? Yeah, let's go to Arkansas. <laughs> Tom Cotton is a terrible human being, but it's not even fair because the Democrats aren't even putting up a candidate. There's, it's Your options are in Arkansas are, are either Tom, Tom Cotton, right, or... Ricky Dale Harrington Jr., who is a libertarian, there's not even a Democrat on the ballot in Arkansas. So uh, that's I, I would at least like to have a Democratic candidate in you know at least every seat that they're going to lose, but there is no Democratic candidate in uh, in Arkansas, and that's that's just I mean Arkansas shouldn't be a state, but anyways. <laughs> I think the people there might disagree with you, but uh, it, it is, it you know, Democrats used to control every lever of power in 15 years ago in Arkansas, and look how far we've fallen. So, uh, something, that's another discussion for another time. All right, now the moment you've all been waiting for, the presidential race and our take on the Electoral College, and Josh is going to have that for you. <laughs> So thank you guys for sitting through House, Governor, Senate, and now what you've really been waiting for, the Electoral College. We're going to go through a bunch of states, we think, and I'll tell you, we think it's toss-up, lean Democrat, lean Republican, or uh, safe Democrat. I'm not going to go through safe Republicans because we all know Trump's going to win like Idaho. We all know Biden's going to win like Delaware. So we're going to do some of the biggest states. We have about 18 states to get through. Our math here was very, very similar to the Senate. We looked at uh, 538 and JHK, and if it was less than 65, it was a toss-up. 
65 to 84 was lean. 85 and beyond was safe. If we had any uh, missing or different uh, diagnosis, we went to the Cook Political Report. Um, but we're going to get started. Hills, we're going to start with Georgia. Okay, Georgia has been lean Republican. Clinton lost it by about five points. It's been getting closer and closer. Um, what do you what do you have for Georgia Hills? I think Biden is going to surprise us, and I think he's going to win Georgia. I don't say this lightly. I think it's going to be real close, but the polling coming out of Georgia recently has been showing a Biden surge, and I think we're going to win Georgia. That that's my that's my take. I think we're going to do it. I think Biden ekes out a Georgia victory. It'll be real close. We're talking like less than one percentage point, and Trump will throw a hissy fit. But I think I think Biden wins Georgia. I think he's the first Democrat to win Georgia in a long time. I think Georgia goes blue this time around. Boy, blue Georgia! I would love to see it. All right. Next up, we have Iowa. Iowa Hills. What what do you have happening in Iowa? So I've thought about this for a while, and I've come to the conclusion that. Biden looks like he's surging. Coronavirus is terrible there. Trump won this by a huge margin. But remember, Obama won this large in 2012 as well. I'm going to give this to Biden. I think he's going to eke out a victory there. I hope you're right, Hills. I have it going to Trump. I, you know, he won this by such a large margin. Um, I think there will be lots of split ticket voting going on here. And I think, you know, people will say, well, I'm not going to vote for Biden, but I, I will vote I will vote out uh, Joni Ernst, and that'll be my saving grace. And so I think there's lots of blue, but I think overall in the presidential race, I think this goes red. I unfortunately think Trump picks it up. It'll be close, though. It'll be very close. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, it's going to be a real close one there. Yeah. Let's go to the Maine 2nd District. Now, Maine, um, they divide up uh, their electoral votes by some congressional districts. So it's only worth one single electoral vote. Uh, but I have Biden eking this one out here. Again, we're talking like a percentage point, maybe. Uh, but I think Biden's going to eke out the main second district. Yeah, and this, this district, as we said with Jared Golden, is the northern part of the state. It's less urban. Obama won this handily twice. So I think Biden wins this again, too. And I think he gets that district back, which could be huge in a tie. Yeah, huge, huge, huge. Uh, next, we go to North Carolina. Okay, uh, North Carolina has been a very, very close state. They've had Biden up, they've had Trump up. Um, we have this state as a toss-up, as have been Maine, Iowa, and Georgia. The state had been lean Biden, and I think Biden is going to win. I, I have Biden winning by one or two percentage points, something along the lines of you know Biden. 50, Trump 48, something along those lines. I think Biden, oh, I really want him to pull out a win here. It would really suck if he doesn't. Because this one, I mean, if he wins North Carolina, I mean, I, it's almost game over for Trump. I think I think it's going to be a close one too, but I think Biden's going to eke out a victory here. I really hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. Next, we're going to go to Ohio. Okay. Ohio was a state that Hills and I in 2016 and 2018 said we were done with Ohio. We didn't want it anymore. Um, and this was one that was a safe Republican seat for a long, long time. And then Biden just kept chugging along and chugging along and chugging along. And now it is a toss up. Ohio is a toss up. Hills, I'm going to let you go first. What, do you, what are your thoughts on Ohio? 
Yeah, you know, Ohio looked like it was in it was in the grasp for Biden, but Ohio was is I'm still done with Ohio. I I don't think it's going to go for Biden. I thought maybe at one point it could, but Ohio has not been good since and I think I think Trump's going to take this by like 2 points. Hills, sound the alarms. I have Biden winning Ohio. Ooh, ooh. Now, I think Biden is going to win this by we're talking half a percentage point. This is going to be one to mark my words right now. This is going to be one to watch for days and days after the election. It's going to come down to thousands of votes. You know, I, I, I just I have a feeling hills in, in a blue wave, right, which I'm, I'm hoping we get here in a blue wave. Tight races go wherever the momentum is or the momentum is. I'm saying Ohio is going to redeem itself and we're going to have a blue Ohio. Josh, for all of our sakes, for my sake, uh, I want I want you to be right. I really do. I really do. I'm the pessimist here on Ohio. All right. Well, let's move on to Texas, which is also a toss up. For Texas, I have Texas going Trump. Um, it's 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 too big of an ask to. I'd be going crazy if I thought that that if I have Biden winning Ohio, uh, and and Texas. Texas is going to be close, you guys. It's going to be close. I think Trump will end up winning it by about two percentage points, but it's going to be close. I completely agree with you here. I, I, you know what? If we win Texas, that'll be the highlight of my night, right? But, but I think there's just so many things going against us there. Uh, but I think it, you know, Trump has been up by only one to two points, and we talk less about Texas than we do Pennsylvania, where Biden is up five, right? So. Right. Uh, it's just I, I still think it will go Republican, but on, honestly, it's going to be much closer than Ohio. It's going to be a yeah. it's going to be a nail a nail biter. I think it it will be like yeah, exactly one or two points. All right, Arizona. I have Arizona going to Biden. I've been Team Arizona since the beginning. It has continued to shift more and more blue. I think that Mark Kelly is going to help Joe Biden there significantly. Um. I think Biden wins it by two or three percentage points. I think Biden wins Arizona. Yeah, I agree with you. I think him, his his polling has been consistently two to four points in Arizona for the longest time, and I think everyone is 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 feeling pretty good about Arizona here. So I'm going to give it. I mean, Trump could still win it for sure. Yep. But I'm going to give it to Biden. And we have Arizona as a lean Dem state. Just so that we're clear. All right, Florida. We have Florida as a lean Dem state. Um, Hills. I, I think Trump's gonna win Florida. Um, I, <laughs> I it breaks my heart, and this is gonna be something that's going to terrify Dems when Trump wins Florida. It's like, oh, here, here it comes. Don't worry. I, I, I just, it's, it's almost, it's almost too good to think that we can win Florida. So I know I'm a little crazy. I've got Biden winning Ohio and Georgia, but losing Florida. I, I, you know, Florida is is a lean Dem. I, I just. I'm so pessimistic. I'm so scared. <laughs> I just, I, I just don't think it's gonna happen. I have to live in some sense of reality. I have Florida going to Trump. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it up front. I'm, I, I apologize to all the dams out there. It, it'll, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. We're gonna give Trump Florida. Yeah, you know, man, I. I... I agree, and look, we follow the science here. So if we're saying lean dem or safe dem, we're following the, the the rules we set out for ourselves. Like that's what the that's what the the people who have models say, right? But 
I, I agree with you. I think Florida, there's just, it's too good to be true, right? Right? It's right. it's the state that gives America collective heartburn every every election, <laughs> right? So I, I think it's going to be really close. And, you know, it was close in 2016 as well. But I think Trump ekes out this win somehow because Florida, right? But yep. um, there are models we don't need necessarily for Florida. But again, if Biden wins Florida, Trump's chances go down so dramatically. So, so dramatic. dramatically. Yeah. I give um, it to Trump, by the way. Yeah. We're going to go to the Nebraska 2nd District. Remember, Nebraska is another one of those states, just like Maine. Uh, we have this as lean Dem, and I do think this goes Dem. Uh, I do think Biden does uh, carry out this state. Trump was just in the Nebraska 2nd District and left all of his supporters out in the cold for hypothermia. <laughs> so that's not a great story for Nebraska. I think Biden uh, comes back. I think he, uh, he, he, he wins both of these single districts, both Maine and Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, he left him out in the cold. He literally, he took off his plane, he took off in his plane, and it was like 30 degrees there, and in an airport, and they didn't have the buses there for people. So, it's just incredible. But Nebraska 2nd has Omaha in its district. That's why we're talking about this. So, and Omaha has a lot of educated college professionals, and I think it goes, I agree with you, I think it goes to Biden, I think Biden flips this. So, we have both Nebraska 2nd and Maine 2nd, one electoral vote each, Going to Biden, and those uh, those electoral votes, even though they're only one, are still very very big. We're talking about a few more states. We have these as safe Dems, but it, uh, it's still worth talking about. Uh, we have Michigan as a safe Dem. I have Biden winning Michigan. I think Michigan actually is not going to be all that close. I think Biden might might win by like seven or eight points. Um, I think Michigan gets called earlier th than expected. I, I I think Michigan goes to Biden. I agree with you here. Trump has spent a ton of time in Michigan. I don't know what they're seeing, but every single public poll has shown a pretty substantial lead for Biden. So I think this flips back to Biden pretty well. Uh, Minnesota, we talked about Minnesota. Biden is making a big play in Minnesota. I think Minnesota will actually be a little bit closer than, than, than Michigan, but Biden is still winning Minnesota. Yeah, and, and the federal court just said this week that ballots have to arrive by November 3rd after everyone was told that they can have it arrive by November 10th. So I don't think that's going to play too much into this, but um, Minnesota, again, is, is a Rust Belt state, kind of. So um, I think it's still going to go pretty healthily for Biden here. So I'm not wor super worried about Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, New Hampshire. Uh, New Hampshire, I also have going to Biden. Clinton won this last time. There's been no evidence to suggest that Trump is even playing strong in, in New Hampshire. I think Biden picks it up pretty easily. Yeah, I was concerned about New Hampshire at the beginning of this cycle because it barely went for Clinton by like a percentage point, if not less. But polling there, public polling, has had Biden up between 8 and 12 points. So I think New Hampshire has pretty much flipped to the Biden column at this point. Uh, Nevada? So Nevada, I know Hillis is a little worried about Nevada. I've been pretty bullish on, on Nevada. You know, Harris has gone there. Biden's gone there. Um, you know, it's definitely a state to watch. But I, 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 think, I, think, I think it will end up being okay for Biden. I think he wins it by five, six percentage points. It's, I have, I have, I'm not worried about Nevada too much. I have Nevada uh, as Biden. See, I was worried about Nevada. I, it has a lot of non-college whites in Nevada. <laughs> and I've been really nervous because they do a lot of early vote there. But we follow a reporter called John Ralston. And he is the Nevada guru. And um, 
I think Nevada, we're going to, I think we're going to pull it out. Depends on the margin here, but I think we're going to pull it out regardless. I think the, there are so many votes in, I think like 60 to 70% of all voting is in, in Nevada at this point. So I think it's going to go for Biden. So again, we say these are safe democratic seats. These are based on the models that we follow, that we follow the science here. So yeah, we, we follow the science. So if, if, uh, you better talk to J- JHK and 538 if you disagree with us, because that's who we got it from. We follow the science. Uh, Wisconsin, I'm going to Wisconsin next. I don't think this Wisconsin is going to be particularly close. I, I, you know, I think Biden wins this by seven, eight percentage points. It's been good in Wisconsin. He's had Pete Buttigieg out there all the time. He just went there yesterday on a four stop on a four state tour. Um, you know, I now I think with Michigan, Wisconsin, we'll get to Pennsylvania later. These aren't going to be called on election night because we have all this mailing voting that we need to talk about and go through. I think, uh, I think, I think Wisconsin will, will will be okay. I think Biden wins uh, Wisconsin. I agree with you here. I think Biden does win Wisconsin. I think it's going to be a, a little bit closer than we thought. I don't think it's going to be one or two points. I think it might be three points or four points instead of like six or eight. But I think, and it's getting hit hard because of COVID. But I think, I think Biden flips Wisconsin. Public polling has been in our on our corner all this time, and uh, um, there was this insane poll that had Biden up seventeen. He's not up seventeen, but if it's remotely even fathomable that he's up by double digits, it's not even close. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is going to give me a heart attack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Pennsylvania has been has. Basically, every poll, right, that every credible poll has had Biden up, you know, five, six, seven points. You know, I mean, I'm trying to look to see how the last poll that had Trump up. That's not a partisan Republican poll. Yeah. Because like Trafalgar. Tra- yeah, Trafalgar Group, whatever, is a is a very Republican poll. And they released a poll yesterday that had Trump up one. So they had Trump up one. Trump's really up, you know much much uh he's really down by a lot you know the there hasn't been a credible poll that has had trump up in in uh in pennsylvania but golly gee if pennsylvania is not gonna give us a heart attack uh the mail-in vote the, the mail-in vote is worrisome the the early vote you know looks good but i just i, I just i have to believe in my hearts of hearts that Biden is able to pull off a Pennsylvania win. I think he wins it. I maybe three or four points, even though all the data says otherwise. I, I think he wins it, but <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna give me a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> I always knew it was gonna come down to Pennsylvania because oh, Pennsylvania yeah. ah, it makes me want to scream. Again, you're you're exactly correct. All public polling has shown Biden with a nice lead that is not immune to if Trump overperforms, but still he pulls Biden can pull this out. But it all really comes down to Pennsylvania, and because oh sorry, Hills, the last poll that had that credible poll is the Muhlenberg College poll, which is an A plus poster. It had Trump and Biden even back in freaking February. Yeah, and that's in February. The world has changed since then. So Pennsylvania is so crucial because if Trump loses, there is no path for Trump without Pennsylvania. Honestly, there is literally no path for Trump because Trump has to get 100% of his states correct. Biden does not. But it all comes down to Pennsylvania. And do I think Biden is up five or six? I think he's more up by, I think at the end of the day, he'll be up by two to four just because I'm a pessimist. But 
you never know. Biden could overperform in in the Philly and Pittsburgh areas, and he could he could be cruising to election, right? So yeah, um, it all comes down to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is the crucialest swing state of all the swing states, and. Again, as, as Josh said, we're not going to know this because Pennsylvania does not is not allowed to count their mail ballots until Election Day. So Pennsylvania, it, it all comes down to Pennsylvania. And um, Josh, we'll give our we'll, we'll we'll go through the rest of this. But then I want to talk about Election Night for a second. Uh, we want to give you our Electoral College total on uh, Election Night. Whenever we figure out who won who, who the election. Uh, Hills, what do you have your Electoral College ratings looking like when, when all is said and done? I have the Electoral College at 328 to 210. I have Biden winning 340 to 198 votes. And it is worth saying, I think, that regardless of whether it is myself uh, or whether I am more accurate or Hills is more accurate, you know, both of us have have Biden beating Trump by more than Trump beat Hillary. In 2016, it was 304 to 227. more of a blowout. Um, so that is your electoral college um, totals. And we have your Red Mirage pre- uh, preview as well as your uh, answer to your pre-dinner shot that's coming up right now. Before, before we head into your uh, pre-dinner shot answer, we want to talk about the Red Mirage. And we've already talked about this a bit, but it's really worth reminding because I'm going to panic. Josh is going to panic. You're going to panic. We're all going to panic. But we need to keep a few things in mind. So first thing is first, the Red Mirage, and we'll link what this is in the show notes in case you want to read the article about it, is basically that Republicans are mostly going to vote in person on Election Day or in person, you know, in early voting. There are lots of Democrats who voted in person in early, but a lot of Democrats also mail the ballots. So counties, states, all the good stuff they'll all count the in-person votes first and a lot of ca- a lot of states including pennsylvania wisconsin and uh, michigan they're especially pennsylvania they're not allowed to count mail ballots until after election night so there's going to be a whole bunch of democratic votes that are not included in the totals that you'll see on the screen so it's going to look like the republicans have like smashed through records right and it's also going to confuse a lot of people but the mail vote, they're going to start counting the mail votes over the next few days. So some of these tight states, we're definitely not going to know on election night. Some people have said there's a blue mirage where in the South, um, you know, some of these states have counted votes um, early enough, and then the election day votes will come a little bit later in the night. Anyway, but the big thing you have to think about is the red mirage is that election day votes are going to be counted first, and then the mail is going to be counted later. So if you see in Pennsylvania that Donald Trump's up by 70%, it's because none of the mail votes have been counted yet, which are overwhelmingly Democratic. Right. And the early votes, um, if I'm not mistaken, Hills, the early votes, the people who actually voted in person early, those will also be counted um, along with the people who voted on that day. So, And it seems like Democrats have done a really good job with early person voting. Uh, so that may limit a little bit of the mirage, but it is important, especially in these in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, the that the that blue wall, right? When election night ends, right, we're not, you know, there are gonna be millions of people, right, who had who votes have have not been counted yet because they voted through the mail. And then y- you will see if you tune in to, you know, your CNN or MSNBC or wherever, you will see 
Biden start to cut into that lead, right? So it's really important, and we, and we should keep saying it over and over again, in those three states especially, right, it's worth waiting and seeing, right? It's not worth panicking in on election night um, unless, you know, Trump's up like 95 to 5, you know, then maybe it's time to panic. But barring, you know, those disasters, you know, it, you know, Biden can make up a lot of ground when they start counting mail-in voting. So um, keep the faith. Most likely, I'd say like 70%, we're not going to know who won or lost on election night. However, the South is going to count a majority of its votes on election night. And what I mean by the South is Florida, North Carolina, and Georgia. So if Florida, North Carolina, and Georgia count all their votes, and then the call is made on election night, like sometime later in the night, that they all go for Biden or two of them go for Biden, at least two of them, maybe even just one of them. Um, if, if all three of them go for Biden, Trump is, right. I, there's almost no way that Trump can win. I, I don't know if there's going to be called necessarily, but you know, a lot of states are going to be called on election night, the safe ones. And if those three states all go for Biden, it might end up being called on election night that Biden won the presidency, right? Or even if it's just Georgia and North Carolina, where does Trump win? I mean, if the polling holds right. So we might not know who wins the presidency on election night, but there's a small chance that we will thanks to the southern states who will be counting their votes first. If Biden wins North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, right, then Biden, if, if he wins those three states in, in the South, right, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, Biden can lose Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Texas, Arizona, Iowa, and still end up with over 300 electoral votes. He can even lose Nevada, and he would still end up with over 300 electoral votes, right? Uh, he could even lose Michigan, or sorry, sorry, Minnesota, and he would still have 296 electoral votes. So if you see North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida being called, right, for Biden, and frankly, he could even lose North Carolina, right? If he loses North Carolina, it's close. It's 281, right, 257, right, but he still wins, right? So if you get any combination, I think, of Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, or you see all three of those being called for Biden, then, you know, barring something disastrous happening in like, if Biden wins North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, right, he could lose Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nevada, Arizona, and Texas, and still have 278 electoral votes, right? So that is, so those states are really important hills. And I think if we see those states being called for Biden, then, you know, it might be over for, for Donnie T. Right. So those are some things to keep in mind. Always panic, but this is going to happen. It's going to happen. So please just keep this in mind as you watch and panic on t TV. How <laughs> much you watch TV and panic. <laughs> and, and it might be something where, you know, Trump's only up by, you know, six, seven points, right? And they can say, well, based on, or Trump's up by like three or four points, they based on, you know, mail-in ballots and what's already been turned in, we, we can now predict that, you know, Joe Biden will be the president or whatever. I mean, it could still happen, right? There is a chance that, that, that Biden could win on election night, but most likely we're going to have to wait a couple days afterwards for to, to figure out who the winner is. Yeah, yeah, at least, at least 24 hours afterwards. I mean, I think it'll be clear maybe Wednesday or probably Thursday at, at, at best. So... That's that's the red mirage. And uh, Josh, do you think the the listeners 
earn their pre-dinner shot answer? I think they did, and I'm going to give it to you. So, as a reminder, the pre-dinner shot question was, which two states still allow slavery as a form of punishment? And the two answers are Utah and Nebraska. Utah and Nebraska. Hills, uh, what are your thoughts on those two states? Would you have expected those two states? Uh, no, no, definitely not. Even Utah. I mean, Utah is a Mormon state. I mean, why would they allow slavery there? But uh, I'm glad they're on the ballot, and I hope uh, I hope the voters give yeah. uh, outlaw that. Although I'm sure it's outlawed by federal law, but like still. Uh, so if you are somehow listening in Utah, or you're listening to Nebraska, or you know anyone in Utah and Nebraska, in Utah you want them to vote uh, yes. On Amendment C, Amendment C, which is removal of slavery as a punishment for a crime from the Constitution. Okay, so in Utah, it's Amendment C. In Nebraska, it's Amendment One, remove slavery as punishment for crime from Constitution. So, if you're in Nebraska or Utah, do the right thing and let's officially get rid of slavery in the United States. It it only took us hundreds of years, cells. This should be a straightforward one, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't understand why it wouldn't be, but. Oh, gosh. It should be a straightforward one. But it it we, really should be. 2020, man. Yeah, anything can happen. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode today. We went through a lot of races. We went through a lot of candidates. And um, we did it. We're here. The only thing we can do now is is vote. And if you haven't voted, please vote on Election Day and vote in person. Do not mail your ballot. If you have, still have a ballot, please vote in person. And that's all we can do. Yep, just vote, you know. Please, please, please vote. Vote for democracy. Vote for decency. Vote for sanity. Vote to get the orangutan out of the White House. Let's go back to a country without an orangutan in the White House. That would be so nice. Back to normal. So before you go, we have just a few important things. The intro and the outro music is by Brett Hillsberg, and the transition music is by Joseph McDade. If you enjoy this episode and our podcast, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you love us, please leave us a written review. If we get five or more reviews, it will help the show turn up for more people. And if you have any questions, you can uh, email us at threecoursepolitics at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and go vote. Bye, everyone. Go vote. We'll talk to you later. Bye.